Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno. He's Jihadi White. Jihadi, the Wizards are not good, and uh, I think we've got more more beatdowns in store for us over the course of the season here. But I'm choosing to be optimistic. I'm still seeing some bright things. I thought Koulibaly had some flashes again, uh, but I don't know. <laughs> the look for moral victories thing is getting harder to do already, and we're only six games into the season. Yeah, yeah, it is... Uh... It's 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 tough to watch, but then I see I see flashes as well of of some hopefulness, right? So mm-hmm. just watching we'll the last two games they played mm-hmm. against the seventy uh, sixes and um, the Heat, yep. I I didn't think that our defense was too bad against the Heat. Perimeter defense wasn't bad against the Heat. Um, Inside could have done better inside, but it wasn't bad. We ran the floor, we played with them well for a while, mm. and so I did see flashes of of good things with us that showed me that we can do some. Now, like in so, in the end of the day, we're still going to need some, you know, to to get some better players in certain situations. That's honestly all it is. I think at this but point is as far as what we're working with. We don't have to be in this particular situation, yeah. right? We can don't mean we be in the best situation, but we are right now. What I'm watching and what I know, what I know that I see, we don't have to be in this particular situation. Yeah, they should not be this bad. I I agree. And if you could just get rid of the third quarter of most of these games, maybe they'd be okay. I, I guess. That's a surprising quarter for me to just get your ass beat in so badly every time. Cause that's like where every game has gone wrong. And the team immediately goes on like a 20 to six run to start the third quarter. Is that just coming out flat after halftime? Is that the other team making more better adjustments than you are? Like, I guess, can you help me explain why an NBA team would consistently be so bad in third quarters and like decent ish in the rest? To me, in the NBA, if you ever watch the third quarter, no matter what game you're watching, the cur- the third quarter always separates the good team from the average team from the bad teams. Okay. Right? It's always because that's the biggest time for adjustment. Can we – so with us, it would be like, can we sustain and can we come out with more vigor? Right? Mm-hmm. Some teams at third quarter were like, okay, now we're – we we are here. We sustain this for now. Let's ramp it up. Yeah. Right. And then some teams say, understand. Okay, the third quarter is time. Like this determines if we're winning this game or not. Mm-hmm. Right now, and always the third quarter is always after. You know, you reveal some things to your team. It's yeah. the the time the coaches have the the halftime speech, right? Right. Right. So it's um it's a time where 
all the players are sitting in their locker and really going over what they did so far in their heads, right? Mm -hmm. Some coaches, if you allow stat sheets, third quarter is where they they start reading the stat. I mean, the the halftime is where they start reading the stat sheets before third quarter. So third quarter is more of a mental thing. It's more of a um, cohesive culture type of thing more than it is anything else. So that's that's that reveals what type of team you have, what type of coaching staff you have. Third quarter reveals so much. It that's what lets you know where we stand as a team uh at the right at this moment. Yeah. I think our guys are, I don't know, checking their mentions on Twitter or something during uh, the halftime in, in, instead of this. Uh, before we get too far into it, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their Surfside Hard Iced Teas, Hard Lemonades, Hard Half and Halves, Hard Peach Teas, every flavor you can think of, seltzers, all that good stuff, and Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, UFC, obviously the NBA, NFL, everything you can think of. It continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place all your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games. Head to the website or use your mobile device to join us and get 50% off your welcome bonus with the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, bet online where the game starts. All right, so we buried the lead here a little bit. Uh, 76ers won 146 to 128. And realistically, I don't think it was like that close. Like this was like a never in doubt kind of game to me, at least once the second half started. I'm with you, Johnny, completely. Like they hung in there the first quarter or first half of both those games. And then, like, the minute the second half started, I'm like, all right, th- this is not a game where the Wizards are going to come back and win this. Like, you know, NBA teams make runs. Like, I never felt like the Wizards were going to come back and win either of those. That wasn't like the, all right, they got hot for a little bit and we struggled. Like, it, it seemed like they could have buried us uh, in, like, if they'd have really wanted to. True. It, it, it looked like the 76ers were just taking the game pretty easy. Yeah. Agreed. If you notice. Um and we were playing with the 76ers, mm-hmm. right? We can't play with any team at the beginning. Yeah. We now have to come out and give teams our best shot. Yeah, you got to jump on them. Right, right. we got to jump on them from the top. And so the 76ers game didn't look too bad at the beginning because we were playing with them, which yeah. also makes you nervous. But, you know, I think our defense was atrocious, absolutely atrocious, yep. We weren't getting back on defense. No. Right? We weren't closing out on any. I mean, eight, 76ers had a shooting spree. Yep. Right? Only only positive. We weren't even getting back on offense. I know. <laughs> there was a lot of, like, two-on-four, non-fast break, fast breaks. It's it like, how, how is their whole team back first? How is everybody back first? So, not only that. So, the only positive that I've seen in that 76ers game was the wherewithal and the will the will to battle that Gafford took. Yeah, I was just going to go there. I right. thought you were going to say yeah. I was stupid, but I actually think it was his best defensive game of the year in a game where he gave up 50. It was absolutely his best defensive game of the year. Right? And that's – now, granted, they gave him the ball three times down the court right at the beginning of the game. Sure. They can make any player feels – Part you know they can they can hype any player up. I think his defensive presence against Joel Embiid, where he wasn't was willing to not let him go through his body, mm-hmm. was willing to to contest shots, was willing to contest 
shots outside of his guy, you know, protect yeah. the basket. He did a great job with that. You know, I mean, seven boards, what was that, 12 points? What, when I was at Georgetown, I'm, I, I, I tell kids this story all the time. When I was at Georgetown, one day in practice, Coach Tops was like, Jihadi, I want you to guard Allen Iverson. I'm like, what? He's like, I want you to guard Allen Iverson in this practice. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I took it as a challenge. Yeah. I'm guarding Allen Iverson like crazy. I'm moving my feet. I'm actually stopping them. I'm harassing them. The team, my teammates are getting hyped. They started clapping, going crazy. Right? He said, okay, do it again. Guard him again. Next play, guard him again. Stop him again. Three times in a row, stop him again. By that, by this time, the entire practice is crazy, going crazy about me stopping Allen Iverson. And I'm looking at Coach. I'm all full of myself, right? And he he's pissed off at me. Absolutely pissed off at me because he's like, you've been cheating me. You So now that I know you can do this, anything less than this is you're just, you're cheating me and you're just choosing not to do it. That's a good way to, that's a good way to make that point. Yeah. Right. So Gafford can do this any night. Yeah. We've seen it. It's a choice. That's, that's one of the strongest most talented big man in this league. Yep. He took on that challenge and he took it personal. Mm-hmm. And look it's what you five, got out of the kid. Five blocks in the first quarter. He's the first wizard to do that ever other than Brendan Haywood, who did it, I don't know, a decade and a half ago, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, let's see. Actually, um, yeah, there are only two wizards to do that. Brendan did it in 2001, which... I mean, this has been a very long time. Like, that's a pretty cool stat, five blocks in the first quarter. Like, he was active at the very least, even though he got dump trucked a couple times. Active on both ends of the court. Yeah. Running the court, you just active. I mean, and that's and that's the frustration because it wasn't a – if you knew he wasn't – though we don't get mad at, you know, at, at the other players. <laughs> like, we know they're not capable. They're only capable of what they can do. We get mad – you know, we we get upset or the frustrated at Gafford because we know there's much more. Exactly. Right. And so he gave us what we know that what, that what we expected from him. Yeah. Right. And it was it was actually good to see. A couple things you mentioned there I, I had in my notes that I really wanted to talk to you about. And, and I was wondering if some of this was like scheme related things you talked about getting back on defense especially every time kuzma drove and got into the paint when tobias harris was guarding him harris just released immediately like leaked out uh the minute kuzma shot it and whether they made it or not he was like the first guy down the other end and he got a couple runouts i thought just like straight up you know like just by by being active and they were like all right joel's gonna get the board uh and no one on the wizards is gonna crash the offensive glass other than maybe Kuzma, the shooter. So let's let his man uh, just take yeah, off. I, I thought that was a really good strategic move by them. And it led to like four or five, like just easy runouts for people. Yeah, but that's, that just shows you the difference. It's those little small things like that. Yeah, it's a smart move. It is smart. You have to have the right team to be able to. Yeah, you, add you have to all who you know going to be able to get those little small, small, you know, little gems that can put you up 10 without really affecting anyone else. Exactly. Right. So yes, that's a great, that's a great move, but also they have enough weapons to do that. 
Yeah, we we could not probably get away with that, unfortunately. Uh, another thing, if we was, if we were strong and rebounding team, we could. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like right. when you got Joel, like you can do whatever right. you want on that kind of stuff. But our, our leading rebounder is the guy who's getting leaked out on. Exactly. Right. So it makes sense. Yep. No. Right. You're totally right. And uh, another thing I thought was interesting is they used Kuzma as the helper a lot when they tried to send a double to Embiid. He was the one kind of dropping down, but it was like a very soft double. Like he kind of straddled in between his man and Embiid and, and that also put them at a disadvantage. So I don't know if that was his choice or something schematic they were doing, but you can't like soft double Embiid. He's not like the greatest passer out of the post, but he's not like, if you give him enough space to do it, he's going to find somebody wide open. And they got burned on that a couple times in the second quarter, especially it was just like, like either, either totally double him and try to make him get rid of the ball or don't this like floating halfway in between thing I, I thought was just a again maybe that was Kuzma taking it upon himself to to try to cheat I I I don't know if that was a schematic thing but it, it seemed weird to me and I I think in principle it makes sense to have him be the helper he's long and pretty mobile but it just didn't seem to work out very well for them in this game this matchup at least to me it looked like what they were doing was showing. Mm-hmm. Right, showing and getting back. Showing is a body there. So when when B sees, okay, it's a body in the paint, right? Mm-hmm. Not so much of a double as it seemed like it was showing. Then if and if they could sometimes go and do a full double, they would. But it was more of just showing a body in the paint to where B say, okay, I don't have a clear lane. Just right? to make him think about it a little bit. Like, yeah, it was just to make him think it about like it a little. Yeah, Kuzma was doing. Okay. Um, so and. Because they say, okay, we can, if Gafford holds his body and makes sure Embiid don't ro- run through him, mm-hmm. then we, we it's going to be tough to stop his jump shot. Just It just automatically is. No, nothing we can do about that. But mm-hmm. we can't let him get any, a lot of uh, points driving to the lane. Yeah. And we did take away that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they made him pick the ball up a few times and, and do something with it. Right. So I think that was more the game plan as a, as more than a double. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. A uh, couple questions in the chat here just before we get rolling. Uh, it never makes no sense. Ask, when would you all expect the first trade to occur? I bet they're like working the phones right now already. Uh, I mean, but, but I would assume sometime in December, somebody's off this roster. I This would be my guess. Oh, first chance they get the trade, they will. Yeah, they first chance they get to trade that they're, they're, they're with this team you have to work the phones. I mean, you and with the with the team they have working to trade, they're great. They're calling like crazy. They working some. They're trying to work some good deals right now. So mm-hmm. I mean, and we we have to know that. And and and, and in so many ways they said that. Yeah. In so yeah, many right. ways they said, "Oh, we're getting ready to work a lot of trades. Be patient with us." Mm-hmm. But. This is if if I hear them, if I'm a player and I hear you know, you know the GMs and everybody upstairs, I'm saying okay, no one's safe. Yeah, right, no one's safe. Any veteran so, who has a good game might be afraid I was getting shipped out the next day. Probably yeah, no, nobody's safe. Yeah. No one. So, <laughs> so I mean, they pretty much told told. The fans, every every, they told the world that already. So definitely, it's obviously you have to assume there's a lot of calls being made already. Mm-hmm. 
uh, OBJ, the Don, the Don said, excuse me, uh, this brand of basketball shaving years off my life. I would agree, especially the third quarters. Uh, Sam Lieber said the D is horrible, non-existent, especially in the third quarter. Would agree with that. And Evan said, Jihadi, how would you describe the culture of the 19 and 63 Wizards from uh, in the 2000-2001 season? Feels like we were bad, but at least that team had heart, uh, unlike currently. Damn, Evan, go, call them heartless. Uh, that's that's cold-blooded. But uh, I guess for, for you, how was that team? Like that team didn't have a great season on paper, but it seemed like you guys were mostly young and kind of working in the right direction. Yeah, what what year did you say? Uh, 2000 to 2001. Thing is, we had players that was about accountability. Mm-hmm. In the end of the day, we had players about accountability. So, now were we the greatest team? No, but you were accountable. Mm-hmm. Like we, before, the coaching staff held you accountable. The vets mm-hmm. held you accountable. Right, right, and they were. What was good about me was, you know, I could make my mistakes. Mm. But they pull me aside and hold you accountable for certain things, right? Right. In your role, your primary role, you better do. Mm. Right. Um, now, with that alone, certain coaches held you accountable too. You know, yep. there was a lot of um, sensitivity, <laughs> sensitivity meetings about, okay. like, get all this sensitivity out of here. Yeah. All right. Right, it's gonna be a little tougher. Yeah. Right, like, like I'm not de- coaches. Like I'm not dealing with sensitive players. Mm-hmm. Soon as something being said, if that's an issue, then no, that's not how this is gonna work. So then, accountability, accountability led all the way through. So, to me, you know, with Wes, like Wes was around. Wes Junior was around back in my day too. So sure. I see, yeah. like, personally wise, I think Wes is a great person. Coaching wise, I think Wes is a good coach, mm-hmm. right? So you're not going to hear me talk too bad about Wes because I, I I personally like Wes a lot. Yeah, Wes Jr. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere though where the accountability is completely lost now. Yeah. Now you could, and it's you can tell by the urgency of anything is gone. There's no urgency to get back on defense. There's no urgency to get back on offense. Yeah, right. Exactly. Just coasting. We're, we're just out there getting cardio in. There's no urgency to beat the team, to, to come out the gate strong because we know we're a terrible right now, third quarter team. Mm-hmm. Right. But you see all of these highlights. I I don't know if anybody else sees it. I see the highlights of where we could be, where, what game was that? Um, I think we moved the ball well against Miami. Yeah. They started pretty strong. I was we, like, oh, okay. We were like, driving. We were penetrating. We were dumping under the basket to the man on the other side of the basket. And being effective. Yeah. They started getting pulled. We some easier were guarding too. the perimeter for two, at least two halves. Right. Yeah. Against against uh seventy sixer, we were guarding the paint. They guarded the paint well in that game, despite Joel having all those points. He we just, never he just get them all at one time. Right. Yeah. But we see that we're effective in each one. Yeah. 
we I, we was worried about Jordan Poole going shooting a lot of crazy shots and doing a lot of circus stuff. He scaled back on that. Yeah, they got him. They really did get him like a better couple open looks, and then he started yeah. to take. I mean, he still took a couple deep ones, but they weren't at least right. with like a hand in his face. Right. So so there's flashes of hope. Thing is, the accountability that to bring them all together and then we put some urgency behind it. It's just, it feel like it fell on death ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I'm, I'm glad Evan asked this question. So, so that 2000, 2001 team was like Jawan and Rod and Mitch and guys like that. Was there any one particular guy that kind of set that tone from an accountability standpoint, or is it a couple of those vets at least? Jawan first and he was mm-hmm. the captain. And Rod, because you wasn't great, mess up his numbers. <laughs> right? Rod would fight for his numbers. Uh, and right I respect it. So. I'm a vet. <laughs> I've been in this league a long time. I've been able to average this, this. You're not going to mess it up. And I'm a facilitator first. Rod mm-hmm. is a facilitator first. That's why I'm thinking, I'm speaking from the perspective, mm-hmm. the perspective of Rod, right? Yeah. Rod, like, I'm a facilitator first. Right. So you're going to have to be effective when I give it to you in this position, that position and work out. Now, if you don't, I'm going to be very disappointed. I'm going to be frustrated. So that, the accountability from that point, Jawan was more of accountability from being, you know, leaders, you know, hey, being where you need to be on defense. If we have a defensive breakdown. You know, we need to talk about it. Are we going to voice this? Yeah. Right. So. I think from that, then, you know, then myself and it was Mike Smith that was mostly rebounding. We knew that, hey, we used to fight over rebound. We used to yell at each other about the rebound wise in the sky. Mine, mine, oh, mine. Like, so. And make was, a little game out of it, right? Or a competition. Yeah, out of so, it. yeah. So just in those, and then the team was really close. So in those instances, like, that does help. All of those little pieces will help you as far as a better team. Uh, yeah, that that's an interesting parallel there for sure. Hopefully some of those things latch on and these guys start to to get more comfortable with each other, I guess, maybe enough to do that. Um, uh, Sam said advanced stats say the Wizards are 30th in the NBA and D. Yeah, it sounds about right. He asked the over under date on Wes Unseld's firing. I would actually bet a ton of money that Wes lasts at least this entire season. I think next season is um, is going to be the question for them. They're going to evaluate everything, see if the young guys made some progress. Like I, I think he's I think he's here. If not, you know, for the foreseeable future. I think they're going to keep Wes until they have a great replacement. Yeah, makes sense. Right, because having an interim coach, you know, it's not it. It puts more pressure on them sometimes than 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 it puts more pressure on on the organization by putting in an interim coach mm-hmm. sometimes more than just keeping the coach there until you find their exact coach and the right replacement you can find because that makes sense. the thing is, it's not easy to find a replacement coach, like a new head coach. Mm. And cause especially for the wizards, you're going to have to be looking for a specific thing, right? You're going to need a, 
a stern coach with a game plan with um that doesn't have pressure on them. And you don't need an asshole. Makes sense. <laughs> I, that's the biggest one. Uh I don't think Stackhouse is uh Jerry Stackhouse is long for the collegiate coaching ranks at this point. I saw Vanderbilt lost to a an underwhelming perfect. I, I say that every time. He's the it'll guy. Be absolutely perfect. They run genius shit on offense and nobody would F with him. Like literally nobody. You Jerry would fight you. Like and also he's got like an edge with the media and stuff. He literally blocks everybody on Twitter if they say anything that isn't like glowingly positive, which is maybe a little sensitive, but also, it's just like F you. If you're not with us, you're against us. And that's, and how, and that's how he's always been. Yeah. He coaches right. he, just like he plays. Yeah. It's very authentic. And, and, and Stack is my guy. I love Stack, man. You know, and he used to do a lot for my foundation. Um, and that's the person that the reason why he would be a perfect coach more because mm-hmm. the players not, is not or aren't going to challenge him. No, yeah, nobody's nobody's messing with that guy. Like, you, yeah, the players not going to challenge him. It is what it is. And if not, What's up? Right then and there, everything is in place. Then he will hold his staff, his coaching staff, so accountable. You're you're gonna be making your money. Yep. Right. You're gonna yeah, you're gonna earn it. Uh, You're gonna earn your money as a as a on on his coaching staff. Right. So that'd be the perfect coach. Someone listening to this is going, well, why is a guy that's not even winning at Vanderbilt going to get a promotion to an NBA job? And I would encourage you to just look at how hard it is to get SEC caliber players into Vanderbilt. The fact that they've been as competitive as they are is because they run elite, elite NBA caliber offensive stuff. If you complain about what Wes runs, uh, go watch a Vanderbilt game and you know, they've got six foot eight small ball center, Van Allen Lubin. I like watch what he would be doing in the Kuzma role or something like it. It's um, I, to me, that's the guy. I mean, Vanderbilt is one step from Ivy league. Yeah. Right. And they're not going to change that school around for the sports program. Yeah. It's tough. You know, so, so Stackhouse is, you know, Stackhouse is working miracles mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> with the players he has now. Now the trade-off is that if you got better players, I mean, listen, if I'm stacked, I'm like, okay, I want to win, but I don't have to deal with all the riffraff and all the stuff that the great players have to give. Mm -hmm. You don't, you know, stack with those type of players he have. You got to be able to qualify to be in there, you know, grade-wise. And not not going to, you know, deal with all of the craziness. So it's a give and take. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that they had Scottie Pippen Jr., who is a pro, they have Liam Robbins, who if healthy was would be a pro if I mean he's on a two way right now, I think. Um, like they're they're putting out guys that are are overachieving relative uh to the traditional level of Vanderbilt. So I don't know, that's just something for folks to keep in mind here. Just uh continuing through the chat here a little bit, some good comments from Cameron on the uh the defense and and, and things like that. Also mentioned that um uh, you know, the, the injury reports around the league are, are a pretty good indicator of who might need some pieces when we make some trades. I think that's a, a good thing to keep an eye on. As some of these teams start to lose some guys, they might be in the market for, you know, a veteran like DeLon Wright or something like that. Um, Mark Reebok asked, now that we're uh, embracing the tank, what's the path to build? Unless I'm wrong, we only have our first round picks 
through 2030. And hard to think we get one for JP and Kuzma. Kuzma would get you a minimum of a, a first round pick and a probably a pretty good one right now. I, I think any competitive team or contending team that needs a piece would do it. Uh, the pool one, if he starts trending in the direction he's been the last two games, offensively at least, uh, that's looking a little better. I, I think you're just selling these guys off, unfortunately, for for whatever you can get. If you get two second round picks for, I don't know, uh, DeLon Wright or something, you start to do it and you just accumulate every asset you can. You package them together. You try to trade up when you can. Can Corey get you a first round pick? Anyone that's not in your long-term future, sorry. You know, we, we got to at least uh, take the call about whether we move on from you or not. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody, almost everybody is tradable, but then you got to kind of see what the guy, what you, you got to have that keen out to know what guys you can grow with too. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, I see, I see, you know, Koulibaly, I think he's, he has so much upside and you can work and he can fit in any, any new structure with any new type of players coming in. To me, he can be an effective guy. You know, he's giving you almost 10 points a game. You know, giving you almost 10 points a game. He's, he's a, at for a, a rookie, he's a, Solid defender. Yeah, I think so. You know, he does really a lot active. of things. I don't think that's a guy you decide just to throw out there and, and put on the trading block, you know. Right. Oh, yeah. He's the only one that I think is like untouchable for them at this point. Yeah, and like you said, Pool starts playing, keeps playing like he he's he is a scorer. Yeah. If he, you know, if he started hoisting just crazy shots, you know, one thing he can do is get to the basket. He's settling in a little bit, at least. Yeah, that, that. he's settling in. If you keep him, I think he's going to be hard to move to. Yeah, I agree. Right, but anybody else, you know, you can you. It's definitely an option. Yeah, I hope they're renting. That's all I got. Uh, you mentioned Koulibaly. He's recorded at least one block in four of his six career games so far. I mean, that's that's pretty good. At least he's just been really active. I think that makes their jobs a lot easier. Easier. Uh, Perimeter defense in this Sixers game, you touched on it. They defended the paint pretty well. I thought the perimeter D was atrocious, like absolutely atrocious. Anytime there was a pick and roll with Tyus Jones involved, it resulted in a basket. Like I I didn't pull up the actual stats, but I would bet it was 100% of the time. He just got cooked. There's no ability or willingness to fight through a screen. I don't know which it is, uh, but that especially was bad. And Kispert just got cooked the whole game. I, I don't. I don't know what you do about that. Cause like you said, I thought it was a little better in the heat game. Granted like Tyrese Maxi is a hard guy for anyone to stay in front of, but that matchup especially looked really bad and exposed to some of the, the challenges they're going to have with a pool Tyus Jones backcourt long-term. Perimeter defense was not existent, but then, then again, we don't really have great defenders. We don't no. really have guys who are great defenders. Mm-hmm. Like, so we all, we know going into the season that defense was going to be a problem, but I also thought, okay, well, it's because they 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 kind of the deep that seventy six is often flows through Embiid, mm-hmm. right? So it flows through Embiid like a Draymond Green style, where he he catches it, he looks for different people moving. So I thought, okay, maybe that was an issue, but then I went back to the the Sixers game, and it kind of works the same way with um, Bam Adebayo. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he'll so, facilitate. He's kind of a hub. So I'm like, okay, that's not the case. When it then I after I broke everything down and went through every excuse why we're not playing good defense, I just came up the way we just didn't care to do it. It's effort, yeah, 
I think so. Yeah, with this effort, like it was, it was non-existent. Anytime someone presented a screen, and and like I was talking before, complaining about the soft switching, but when they don't switch it, like they didn't switch anything that involved Embiid, but no one fought through the screen, so it just ended up with like two people uncovered at that point, and Gafford kind of scrambling in the middle. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah. We didn't, and, and closeouts were even worse. Yeah, I agree. Like yeah, that was no closeouts at all. Uh, and if you did, if we did, it was slow, no chopping, no chopping your feet where you can blow right by them. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's 101. That's something you learn in high school. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that's not existing, it's just because there's a breakdown now. Yeah. Yeah. There's to a me, breakdown. That's, that's one, two. Yeah. But it's a breakdown in so many levels. Mm-hmm. It's a breakdown from the coaching information from the coaches to the players. It's a breakdown with the players. It's a breakdown of there's no accountability even within the players. There's no one pushing anybody. There's no one holding anybody accountable. It's more like every time I do see something happens that's bad, everybody just kind of waving their arms like this, blaming each other. So and and there's nothing to stop that either. Mm-hmm. So it, it was one of those things where, like, I watched the opposing team's broadcast for the 76ers game. And when they brought in, uh, what was the exact lineup where they made the comment? Hold on. They had Rollins, uh, Johnny Davis, Koulibaly, Anthony Gill, and Gino Amarui in the game. And they basically called it, like, the human victory cigar lineup that the the Wizards are throwing in the towel. I don't feel that way. Like those guys don't play as if they're in there for garbage time. Uh, I got a couple stats here. This one, Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington, or sorry, Monument Sports posted uh, just the the leaders in deflections in the NBA per 36 minutes. Ryan Rollins is leading the NBA in deflections per 36 minutes. Now, granted, he's only playing like eight minutes a game, but he's coming in and he's being really active right away. Johnny Davis is defending the hell out of people. Uh, Amarui looked terrible when matched up with Embiid, but he's also like eight inches shorter. And I think that's just like, you know, like the guys in energy hustle big. It, it just that sometimes that just doesn't matter against Embiid. So I don't think that's fair to criticize him. But against backups, like he was just out scrapping people. Like Anthony Gill, I don't think is a particularly good NBA player, but he plays pretty hard. And and Koulibaly is long and active and athletic. So to me, if those are the guys that are at least going to put in effort on defense, even if they're not like the better players on your team, I'm at the point where like those are the guys I'd be calling up off the bench immediately. Like Rollins should get more minutes. Koulibaly should play 28 minutes a game. Like I'm glad they played Amarui earlier. I just think this was the wrong game to use him. Uh, but those are the dudes. I would use those. To me, I think those guys play well together. Yeah. And they play well in segments of where you want a specific type of thing. Mm-hmm. When you want to muck up the game, when you want to yeah, get it pester bad. people and yeah. Right. Individually wise, I don't know you if you throw one of those guys out there individually wise and, and they're going to make a big difference. Right. Um, but let's, let's see though. This is the, if you're going to get beat by 25 anyway, like find out, find out if well, Rollins can well, be the first guard off the bench. Case in point, when you throw Amarui out there, yeah, that was right? tough. He 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 goes get he gets three four fouls right away. Or just he just fouling fouling fouling, right? But in parts of the game, at the end of the game, where everybody is mucking it up, 
those same files are still happening because he is filing, True. but it it gets hidden in in, in the, all the aggressiveness that we're doing at one time. Right. Well, once you're bringing it down, then now the ref is just going toward the aggressor. Mm-hmm. Right. It so stands now, out when you're the one guy playing that way. Now, when you're the one guy who the aggressor, That's right. everything is revealed as like, oh, you out of control. Yep. But but if I'm throwing my out of control unit out there for that specific reason to make to you know like Miami had to start put their starting five back in mm-hmm. with that group at the end of the game because that group almost was bringing us back to actually win the game. Yeah, you know they they literally was rallying us back to win the game. Yeah, they got it under fifteen, I think, at one yeah, point. Yeah, so I I could use that that five as a little team for that, for that specific reason. And then someone, yeah, some people will show glimmers of hope where I can use them outside. Like Koulibaly, he's in okay. that five, but he's also, I'm using him any, any yeah, way, any, any, any five they want. Right. Anytime. So I don't know who else I can use out of that group. And they would help me out, you know, really give me a big boost in a game you know, individually wise, that's not in there. I, like I'm, I think I'm all in on Ryan Rollins. I've seen enough at this point where yeah, like, I am too. Uh, other than just, Ryan. like, let's try it a little bit more often. I, I think especially tonight's game against the Hornets, which if you're watching this on Wednesday, uh, they play the Hornets tonight at 7 PM, the two and four Hornets. This is the right kind of game to do exactly what you just said, I think, and throw out like a chaos unit, like those kind of guys together and just let them like, screw it up and, and just like make the game weird. I, again, I think that's hard to do against Joel Embiid. It's just he and Maxi are going to like, they're, they're too good. And, and the referees are going to call any like touch fouls and stuff when you're, when you're scrapping on him. But you know, Nick Richards uh, isn't getting the same love from the referees that, that Embiid is and things like that. He's also just not as good. So uh, this is one where I would experiment even more. And like, those are the guys that are going to play hard. This is the game to try them all together. And I think, it is. It is the game to try them all together, but when you're when your job is hanging in the wind, yeah, so tough. only so much you can do. Uh, hopefully, they've empowered him though to say like, "Hey, like this is what we want to find out from you." But uh, maybe that combo hasn't happened. I, well, I don't know. I mean, if, 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 right now, either you're going to try everything, or you're going to just really be careful. Yeah, and, and so it seems now, like he's which line are you going to walk? If I'm uh, if I'm going if I'm gonna go out I'm going out with a fight. Amen. Yeah, I'm with you. I would I would have thrown the kitchen sink at you at this point. Uh, b- before right. I go down, a couple stats here. Basketball Index had uh, perimeter isolation defense grades. Jordan Poole the last three seasons, uh, twenty one F, twenty two F. So far in twenty three F, and it's uh, kind of <laughs> matches the eye test, I would say. And then. Uh, Shout out Young Wizzy DFS on Twitter posted the Wizards. Um, their most used two man unit is Tyus Jones and Jordan Poole together in 142 minutes with both Jones and Poole on the court together. Their offensive rating is about 108. Their defensive rating is 132, which is atrocious. So it's a minus 24 net rating. And then in one 102 minutes with both of them off, uh, their offensive rating is 112. Their defensive rating is 101. So that's a net rating of plus 10. So the Wizards are considerably better, about a 35-point delta uh, with uh, 
with those guys off the court as opposed to on it. And I think it's strictly because of that defensive rating number. When your backcourt just gets cooked over and over and over again, you have no shot to win a basketball game. Well, it's true because think about it. Pool is always what playing a two, playing a two or a three, defending the two or a three. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. On most teams, the two and the three are the guys who do the most of the scoring. Honestly, most right? of the scoring. Yeah. Right. So, so Pool is just trying to outscore his opponent. Right. Right. And so that's going to kill the team anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I don't, I don't want to keep coming back to this, but we're not a great defensive team anyway. The best defender is not the the best defender, you know, out there. Mm-hmm. So you can't have any, any like chinks in the armor. Yeah. Right. And like pulls a heavy chink in the armor. And then you have to restrain the the point guard on the other team. You just have to. Because mm-hmm. that's you take the time off the clock, right? Yeah. You take away you have to take away his best options, right? I don't think Tyus mm-hmm. Jones is doing any of that, right? So now the no. point guard on the opposite team has a free night to just give the ball any way he wants to. So those two could are hindering us defensive wise, definitely. But to me, you, in that case, now you have to have everybody on the string. Mm-hmm. Right. So now we have to have crazy strong defensive principles on the stream because we can't de- depend on any player individually to right. give us some strong defensive presence. We don't have that type of player. We don't have a Marcus Smart. We don't have a, a Drew Holiday, you know. But I, I think Denny is probably your best defender and I, he's not going to guard the Tyrese Maxis of the world particularly effectively at least for whole portions of the game and he's he's a good on-ball guy. I don't think he lifts everybody else. You know what I mean? Like there are some defenders that are so good they make everybody else around them look better, I think. I, I don't think he has that ability. And Kuzma's been worse defensively this year. Gafford is, you know, just going to try to do what Gafford does. It, it's um, I think Denny's our most solid defender. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But on our team, they may be the, the best defender. I think he's our most solid. I think I think our best defender on the team, mm-hmm. and he just he just don't know enough. Is Koulibaly. Yeah, he's the one who's going to force the most stuff, and and yeah. like yeah, yeah, right. So he's got because he's the only one with the length and athleticism for like he is above average length and athleticism for but his. Also, position. he thinks that way. Yeah. Remember, I always say that him coming from. Overseas was more of a a gift than a than the, the what I was saying was I'm totally him coming from overseas. The fact of the the things he don't know mm-hmm. is better than the things he do he does know. Sure, because he doesn't. He's he's still in the mindset of I'm a natural. I'm a naturally get down there and guard him. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you get in the NBA long enough. Sometimes your defensive qualities go out the window yeah you break down and you kind of regress to the mean of everybody else and stuff right right and you just kind of fall in a in a pattern right just like you know just like a politician come in ready to change the world then he he get to watch and they were like ah, it don't really work like that right mm-hmm. but right now i think Kulabali is our best defender just because it's natural 
if it were me, again, talking chaos unit, I would put Delon Wright, Johnny Davis, uh, B-Law Koulibaly, Denny Avdia, and Gafford out there at some point. And you're not going to score points at all, but I would pick up 94 feet for a couple minutes and just make it weird. A Rollins, somebody, and just, I, I mean, again, I'm, I'm throwing every not wrinkle at you. I can. That's not, they're not physical enough. Who who do we have that is? I the, mean, chaos, the chaos unit we have right now pretty physical. Yeah, they together they uh, add a physical element as well. Yeah, Amari helps with that a lot for sure. Maybe right. put him out there then. Uh, uh, Big J fifty two says so far I'm okay to let Corey Shamit and a second round pick go to get a young developed center like a James Wiseman. I'm excited that we have a real player development group. I would be trying to get some young big, somebody, whether it's Wiseman, that's the popular name with Wizards fans right now, but I would look at every roster in the league and see who the other young guy is that's not playing. And well, I think they're time. looking for Wiseman because he's young mm-hmm. and he can also give you scoring on the on the other end, right? Yeah. And he can stretch the floor. He can, be, he can shoot the mid-range. But sometimes when you're looking for a Wiseman, you lose out on what we really need. That's it. And we need somebody who can protect the paint. We need somebody who can rebound. We need somebody who, you know, we need somebody I mean, who will defend more Wiseman's, than we need. He's seven feet tall and athletic as shit. If you can't teach him to defend the rim, though, I mean, like, can you teach that? Wiseman, or that- nothing against Wiseman. I actually mm-hmm. Wiseman in AAU, so he's a great guy and great Mm -hmm. kid. Love him. But, yes, can he protect the paint? Absolutely. Will he do it consistently, though, right? He hasn't shown in the NBA to do it consistently, to where it's Mm -hmm. effective. Gotcha. That makes sense. Right. I would rather get um, and I names kind of slips me Robert the one who who came to the, I would rather get a, a Robert Williams type yeah he just got hurt too unfortunately and I that was a name I was watching really closely uh but I don't know how long he's out for but yeah I, I'm with you someone like that that's shown they can do it already at least a little I would bit. rather get a Robert Williams type yeah more than the Wiseman type okay. even though I know I'm not expecting a lot of points out of Robert Williams mm-hmm but I think he just serves what we need better. I, I can't remember if I've asked you this or not, Jahani, but I heard a coach talk one time about how they're like really put extra. It was a college coach, how they put like extra scrutiny into the big men that they recruit because a lot of guys that are seven feet tall play basketball because they're big, not because they love it. And that's something that GMs pay attention to. Wiseman just kind of strikes me as one of those guys. Like, Hey, I made it to the league. I made my money. Like, I, I don't know how hard he's working. Like, I don't know enough about him to say that definitively. But when you have that many like elite physical gifts and it just none of it translates, you know, there's something off there. I just don't know what it is. I, if I didn't know him, mm-hmm. I, I can understand your perspective. But me okay. knowing him, knowing him, sure. Nah, he's not. He loves. He's a lover of the he game. He loves the game. He okay. loves it. You know, I, so it's something else that's just not clicking there so far, right? He has to understand the NBA game. Okay. You know, he has to understand now. He has to. It's a. It's a lot of lot other players out there that's also scoring a lot. 
Did I freeze up? Yeah, a little bit. Freeze you got me back. So it's all other players out there who can score just as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to have the opportunity to be the number one guy like I am, you know, on the teams I've been playing on college and in AAU before. Right. So how do I play when I'm, when I want to be the top scorer and the team's looking at me to be a big man? He wants to be Joel Embiid and we want him to be Clint Capella. There's a disconnect there. Or, or we may want him to be a little, a little bit a of little both. both. Yeah, sure. Right. But I think his, his confidence dies down when, he doesn't see the ball go through the rim a lot. Instead of saying, "Hey, let me start, let me take hit a body, let me start playing in the air and and knocking balls out the sky, right? Let me mm-hmm. run the floor." He can do it all, sure. Right, like he he's a jack of all trades, but he has to be a master of certain things mm-hmm. when yeah. things are not going well. And I just feel like right now, when things don't go well. Him being a master of certain things that just kind of go out the window. Everything falls. Uh, I think it was on um, Sam Vecini's podcast with a friend of mine, Bryce Simon, the Game Theory podcast. They were talking about the young guys who are getting the most minutes from the last couple drafts. And almost all of them had like the one immediate trait. They either shot the ball or they defended at a really high level right away. And that was like getting them getting them on the court. And to your point, like if you're Wiseman, you're just like kind of okay at stuff. Um it's not enough for him to like crack through and bring that one thing that that unit needs. So makes sense. Right. Exactly. And so I would rather get somebody who's guaranteed going to give me that one or two things. Yeah. That's smart. Uh, Kenny asked in the chat, any chance the wizards could go get a guy like bowl bowl. I think same thing about bowl. If he were gonna, if it was going to click at this point, some of it would have clicked when you're on your like fifth team that usually says something. Now bowl is the guy you talk, the exact, definition of the guy you were talking about before yeah. tall guy doesn't love it. yeah he, he he don't like basketball <laughs> uh which yeah that's tough okay tell me bobo loves the game even it, likes the game it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it so far um but you never know maybe that's something you can pick up later in life you come to appreciate it more i don't know that's the dip, big difference between bobo and i i hate to compare these two but if I had to, I'm just comparing. That's the big difference between Bobo and Wimby. Right? I mean, you could tell Wimby yeah. lives, eats, breathes, sleeps this game. It means everything to him. Uh-huh. Right? Bobo and Wimby kind of have somewhat just as far as their height and their yeah. skill. Don't skill let me level for a guy that size. I'm with right. you. Right. Where you going? They can dribble well. Right. They are both be, or be, are able to shoot. They both can get down. But the difference between why it looks completely different between for Wimby and it looks completely different from Bo Bo because Wimby cared about it. Yeah. Uh, it never makes no sense in the chat said Bo Bo said in an interview that he has not gotten better at anything since his rookie year. Yes, Bo, we agree with you, which is well, who, which who expect to get him better. Who fault is that? Yeah, exactly. It's his fault. Who is he yeah. looking for to get him better? Yeah. So that's you, baby. That's all. At the end of the day, like, now if you want to say one staff didn't Who's pay attention to you. Is, like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. When that's every player. Exactly. You just made my point. Yeah. 
Right. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That that's like literally no accountability whatsoever for your own outcome of your career so far. Uh, yeah, this is tough. Uh, also mentioned it already, but the Wizards play the horns tonight. I don't think they're very good either. It'll be interesting to see if cool Bali and Brandon Miller get matched up. Brandon Miller has been really good because one, he's just shooting the ball at a really high level so far, and that's getting him on the court. Koulibaly playing defense. Hopefully that gets him on the court. I just want to see them matched up because I think that'll be fun. They did it some in the preseason. I don't want to see more of it tonight. Any thoughts or predictions on how this Hornets game will play out? It depends on. Okay. It would be great to see this game against the Hornets and be able to really take some vital things from it that we can say, okay, you know, some good things, bad, whatever, some information. If we got the team, with, if we were looking at the Wizard team, we think we should be looking at. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what Wizard team will come to the arena, yeah. right? If we get the team that's not going to play defense, that's not going to, then what? What can we get? What can we gain from this game anyway? No matter who wins, yeah, you got no shot, right? Right, so. That's the issue. I'm not, I'm speculative about what Wizards team we're going to get. And in that case, what can I really gain from it? What kind of information can I gain from it? What can I say? Okay, okay, we need to do this. We need to do this. Maybe this adjustment. Uh, I, what looked great was this. I don't know because I don't know what team am I going to watch. And, yeah. and, and it's tough because you've seen that we can get any type of team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some real, it's not even Jekyll and Hyde because it's not even one or two things. It's like literally you get 15 different versions of, of this group over the course of the season so far. Uh, they, if they look anything like they did in the Memphis game, granted Memphis has been um, terrible also. Um, Hornets aren't great. Maybe it's closer to that game. I actually think they're going to win tonight, personally. I'm going to call my shot here on this one. So yeah, I think they're going to take it, but how bad are they going to try to win it? Like, are they going to win it together? Is it going to be a shoot-off? Is it going to be, you know, Poole trying to go for 40? So many many crazy things out there that might happen. You know, so I don't know. I think we get a big pool game and a big Denny game feeling that one. So we'll see. Uh, I feel a big pool game and a big Denny game too, actually. That's that's really good. I, I, I agree with you. That, like we're just kind of building toward that. Like Denny's been really solid, but I think he's got like one big one in him. And Poole's like kind of trending in the right direction. But Denny's been really solid. Oh yeah, the most solid player on the team, probably. To be honest with you, like I very think Kuzma's been better, but but Denny's been the most solid. Especially Denny's solid more. And he's expanding a little bit. You're not going, yeah. not going crazy, but mm-hmm. he's expanding now. Denny is taking, bringing the ball down the court full speed. I love that. I want to see that. I want to see more of that. Uh, a yeah. couple, couple things. Just shout out a couple Wizards fans. Shout out to uh, both Will Clayton and Justin Russett, Wizards fans in North Carolina that will be in the building repping Wizards tonight. So shout out guys for, for holding it down for us. Uh, and then shout out to Pete. I don't know Pete's last name, but he came up to me at the Grizzlies game and said, hey, that he liked the show. Appreciate that, Pete. So if you see either of us out there and you listen to this and you like the show, we love hearing that. So appreciate the feedback. And uh, Jai, I got one question I just needed to ask you about for like two weeks now, and I've not done it yet. The painting behind you in this background, for anyone not watching this on the YouTube chat and not seeing this, check the YouTube feed. 
This thing is awesome. Is that Dikembe you're dunking on in that picture? <laughs> yeah. That, um, that is, that's incredible. So the story, I actually had a real picture. Uh-huh. And after a Wizards game one day, I was, uh, you know how you go back and kind of see your friends and family in the crowd or whatever after the game. And it mm-hmm. was a guy. He said, I have a gift for you. Oh, shit. Really? And he was like, he's like, I painted it myself. And that's he awesome. Gave me, he gave me this painting. That's pretty cool. Pretty nice, right? That's really cool. Yeah. If anyone, again, if you're listening to this on the audio and you prefer audio podcast, go check uh, for this thing because it's badass. His his last name is Crenshaw. He's an artist. Oh, that's very cool. DC artist. I'm going to find an eight foot Nerf hoop, take a picture of me dunking on the child because that's probably the only person I could dunk on at this point and see if I can uh, get somebody to paint that because that's the only way I'd be dunking on somebody. That's that's got to be an amazing feeling. Like Dikembe is ultimately like one of the five best shot blockers of all time. Like I would want that like memorialized for forever. So uh, very cool. Oh yeah, that's 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 the um, the you're not going to get me dunk on me type of thing. So once when you get him a couple of times, you're like, nah, I'm not that one. You know, yep. I I'm getting you. I got you. Uh, I, some extra you know, trash talk there. Yeah, Georgetown to, family. You know, I love you know Dikembe. He's a Georgetown guy, so yep. you know that's family. But. Uh, yeah, I always, I always, my goal was to dunk on Dikembe every time I touched the ball. <laughs> now, I wasn't, maybe 70% of the time I wasn't successful, sure. but I tried all all 100% of the time I tried. Uh, yeah, just him and Alonzo, you just go at him every time. I remember yeah. saying Alonzo was trying to go at you early too, just to make a, make a point when you were a young fella coming up. That's Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Evan said in the chat, uh, Georgetown on Georgetown violence. But yeah, it's okay. It's, <laughs> it's amongst friends. Uh, Johnny, I think that's all I got for you here. Anything you want to end on or anything we haven't talked about here that you think's worth throwing out? No, no. We had a good one. A good one. Cover some good stuff. Yeah, I, I think this is uh, one of my favorites we've done considering uh, the team is one in five right now. I think we were as positive as you could be for a one in five team uh, so far. Right. So I shout out to us. Uh, cool. All right, everybody. You know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We're brought to you by betonline.ag. If you would also like to sponsor the podcast, you got a company or a product or any of that kind of stuff, uh, we're shameless here. We'll hawk anything. So hit us up and uh, we'll make you a presented sponsor of a segment or whatever you want to do. So uh, just keep that in mind. But yeah, uh, the ratings, reviews, all that stuff, we say it every time. It actually is appreciated. So so make sure to do that for us. Uh, it means a lot. And Helps us be more discoverable to other Wizards fans. We keep growing the show, so all that stuff's helpful. But yeah, presented by betonline.ag, and we'll catch you all next time. Peace. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube